Welcome to Being Better Podcast, where we explore the things that make us happier, wiser, and more productive beings. Hi, my name is Julia, and I am your host. Every week, I take a concept, a technique, or a story to learn how it can make us better. I hope that this show can help you become the person you've always wanted to be. So, here we go. to the show. I'm Julia and it is my job to find ways in which we can become more wise, happy and healthy. The goal of the show is to help us be the kind of humans who are full of love and compassion for the world and for ourselves, who are open-minded and kind to all and whose ambitions take them to mountains, peaks and beyond. I hope you are all doing great and that you are taking care of yourself. Remember to stay hydrated and sit straight. Now, I know that your posture is probably awful when you're listening to this. So no matter if you are standing or sitting, please take a minute now and bring your shoulder blades together. Push your hips forward and stretch out your spine. Have you done it? Great. And now that your posture is taken care of and that you had a sip of water, you are more than ready to listen to this episode of the Being Better podcast. And as always, I would like to start with my recommendation of the week, which is a segment in which I share with you a movie, a book, a product, a podcast, a recipe, or whatever it is that has recently brought me joy or taught me something about the incredible world that we were born into or about myself. And this week, that recommendation is going to be a bit different because that recommendation is going to be kind of a call to action. And that call to action is get yourself a house plant. I really mean it and there are so many benefits that I'm going to talk about and I would like to just start by saying that it is very pretty and every interior designer would say that it really brings the pop of color and a nice texture to the room and the green looks very nice so I mean, that's an argument, but then there are so many health benefits of taking care of plants. And, you know, the most obvious one, of course, is that you have an improved air quality in your room. And that is very important because, you know, I think that about 4 million people, let me check that. Yeah, 4.2 million people die of air pollution each year, according to the WHO. That number is horrific and I mean it proves how crucial it is to care about improving the quality of the air we breathe. So a great way to do that is with plants which store huge amounts of CO2 as a factor of of course you know photosynthesis and release the precious oxygen we so desperately need. And then also it's necessary to mention that plant cultivation promotes physical exercise. I think, you know, especially when it takes the form of gardening and it becomes an outside activity, but not necessarily. Um, Even if you have a plant that you have inside, it still needs you to move a bit. For example, in order to repot a plant, you need to, you know, lift the plant. And if it's bigger, then it is kind of like weightlifting. You need to 
get rid of the old soil then you need to put the plant in a new pot then you need to lift the bag of fresh dirt and sometimes you know dirt is heavy and then you need to put that new dirt into the new pot and kind of before you notice you've done a full body workout and also caring for plants is a great way to reduce the levels of cortisol which is a stress hormone and in excess it can be responsible for high blood pressure and weight gain and sleep insomnia and a lot of other serious health conditions. I have a study open here from 2015 that shows that an active interaction with plants decreased subjects' stress levels, made them feel more comfortable and less anxious. And that can be explained as a result of different effects of plant cultivation. And first, you know, of course, providing care to plants induces the feeling of mindfulness because we kind of, I mean, I think you know the feeling when you get completely immersed and preoccupied when you do something with the plants and the soil. For me, at least, the smell of the plant and the dirt and the feeling of dirt between my fingers, I just become aware of my thoughts and it kind of is like a nice meditation. And then, you know, the activity of plant nurturing improves our mood, um, which can be intensified if we like how the plant looks like or smells. Another study published in I think the neuroscience magazine found that there's a bacteria in the soil that when in contact with our body can induce the production of serotonin which is also a happiness hormone. So actually the dirt makes you happy and I feel like this is so so great. So there are so many health benefits and you know I'm not gonna get very deep into that right now but I'm just saying that plants are so great and doing something and taking care of something else than ourselves gives us a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose and I've talked about in previous episodes how when people volunteer and do something for charity it really makes them happy and I know that you know a plant is not a charity but still taking care of something and waking up because you have to take care of the plant and and I think I've heard someone talk about that they were depressed and the only reason why they made themselves get out of bed each day was because they had to take care and feed their dog and water their plants and they would not get up for themselves but they had to do that so I think having something that you have to take care of and tend to can be a way to also care about yourself so this is my advertisement for taking care of plants I'm really big fan I also sometimes kill my plants but that's a whole different story most of the time it's just because I overwater them and I give them too much love my my love is actually you know killing them but let's not get into that right now that's my whole other guilt and I don't want this to become you know a therapy session so now with the recommendation out of the way I'm going to move on to the main topic of this week's episode which is going to be fear I think all of us have some kind of relationship with fear some are always haunted by it others feel like it's a force that helps them perform better I know that some are even addicted to it and chase 
fear through seeking, for example, extreme and adrenaline-inducing activities and, and extreme sports. The people that struggle to cope with it are called cowards and the ones who don't seem to be bothered by it are called brave. But I think that this approach and the way we approach fear overall is wrong. I think the way we think that fear is created and the way we think it influences our actions are often misconceptions. And today I want to talk about what fear really is, why we experience it differently than our ancestors. And I want to kind of decide and think if it is hurting us or helping us improve. So, you know, fear is an inherently human quality. It is really what makes us us and what makes us survive and what made us survive. I mean, it's like one of the biggest reason why our species has been around for these, you know, 200,000 years. The role of fear is to prepare the body to face the danger. If people didn't feel fear, they wouldn't be able to protect themselves from really legitimate threats. Because the fear, in order to prepare the body to face danger, can evoke the freeze or the flight or fight or fright reactions in our body. Or you can evoke the tend and befriend response, which is, you know, turning to others for help or social support or making situations less tense or less dangerous or uncomfortable in some way. Fear is a vital response to physical and emotional danger, and it has been pivotal throughout, you know, the human evolution, especially in ancient times when men and women regularly faced life or death situations. But the thing is, fear now is so much different from the type of fear our ancestors have faced. Starting, of course, with the fact that most of us are not in direct danger of being attacked or dying from thirst or dying from starvation or falling from a cliff. The way we live our lives today, I mean, we are rarely in uncomfortable situations and much less in life-threatening ones. But even though we have pretty much all an animal would need for a comfortable and fearless life, we still do experience it very often. I mean, you know, there's this growing number of us who suffer from anxiety disorders and, and phobias, and we are scared about the future when, for example, we are thinking about the money for our retirement, or when we are faced with the growing number of climate disasters and extreme weather conditions caused by climate change, which I know, you know, right now we have the wildfires and floods in Europe. And then we are also afraid for others, for our loved ones and our friends. For example, when, you know, when they travel to remote places, even if these scenarios that we imagine in our heads for them or for ourselves are absolutely irrational or highly unlikely, we can still ruin our good mood and spend hours or even days worrying and being afraid about these, you know, possible and unlikely future scenarios. But you might wonder, and I definitely do wonder, why 
that the kind of fear we experience in you know 2021 is different from 100,000 years ago. And I was trying to research that. And the thing is that has changed is only that we humans have created psychological stress and we now have fear about these problems which are not real and are simply psychological. I mean, they are real, but they're not tangible. You know, fear is caused by some kind of incentive or a stressor. That stress used to be, you know, how am I going to get food to survive the winter? Or how do I not get eaten by a bear? And really not much else. But now when we have our basic needs met, we have so much more time and and more mind processing power that we can use for stressing over every little situation in our life. Like, for example, what did my date think of me? Or should I take that overseas job position? Or is my son smoking marijuana? And I mean, those are valid questions and... It makes sense that we think about them, but I think we give them too much mental bandwidth and too much power over our well-being. So yes, fear has taken control over our lives and the decisions we make. And that is terrible. However, the good news is that we can do something about it. And as much as I know that it is easier said than done, We need to befriend fear. The thing we should and we need to do is we need to get to know and get comfortable with how fear influences our body. Maybe it's making your jaw tense or it's making you grind your teeth or maybe, I don't know, it makes your shoulders stiff. Whatever it is, get used to that feeling and observe it. So the next time you are afraid or you are anxious, you can recognize that fear and realize that you are feeling it. Because only when you are aware that fear is starting to take control of you, can you really prevent that from happening. You can get to know it through meditation, that's what I do. Well, usually, whatever it is that I feel, I really pay attention to that. And that is really helpful because when you are used to how, you know, anxiety feels, you can then recognize it and realize that, you know, hey, this is not going to kill me. I know this feeling. It has happened to me before and I performed just fine back then. And that is what I'm going to do now too. Because very often we are just not aware that we are fearing something or we are afraid of something. And then as a result of that, we can become angry. Because like I talked about in one of the previous episodes, anger is a result of other emotions of anger or fear or sadness. And that just happens because we just are not aware that we are afraid of something. So, right, we need to get used to to that feeling and there's another reason why we need to befriend fear and that is that you know fear has the potential to teach us very often the fact that we are scared of something or scared for someone it just means that we care and in that way fear can become something of a compass if for example 
you are afraid when watching wildfires spread all over the world or other natural disasters and you keep thinking about it, that probably means that you are a rational person and that you care about your home planet. And it also means that you need to take action because clearly idleness in the face of these disasters is not serving you well. Because if you didn't care about it, if you didn't care about the planet, you would just dismiss it altogether and not think about it. So anxiety in face of climate change is proof that we care about it and we need to take action. But then fear can also help us realize negative ways in which we think. Like when you are afraid to be seen by others when sitting by yourself in a restaurant or a cafeteria. And that probably means that you are over-dependent on what people think of you. Or if you are afraid of social situations or hate large gatherings, maybe that means that you don't like yourself that much. And maybe you might need to work on the relationship you have with yourself. That is just my speculation, but think about that. So... To use fear to our own advantage and harness its full potential, we need to notice it and ask ourselves, why do I feel this? What am I really afraid of? Because very often the reason that we tell ourselves for why we are anxious are very different from what they actually are. And... Often we would never realize that we have been lying to ourselves had it not been for this anxiety and this kind of, I don't know, small mental breakdown, which we couldn't ignore and move on with our lives without dealing with it. I really like a quote that Winston Churchill said once. Um, I think it was like about the World War II and the potential that it has, but I think it still applies to fear. And that quote is, never let a good crisis go to waste. And why I think it applies to fear is that oftentimes we need a crisis, a mental breakdown or a good crying session to make us see things that we haven't noticed before or that we just did not have the courage to notice and the courage to face. I struggle with things too, and I often go through my day trying to ignore the feeling of anxiety or just being uncomfortable with myself, and then at some point it all accumulates and it explodes, and I have a very big crying session, and that's okay because that session (laughs) I don't know if I can call it a session um that burst of emotions helps me realize that I cannot go on like this and I need to face whatever it is that is happening inside of me so I guess I would modify this quote and say that never let a good fear or anxiety go to waste because it has the potential to make you realize something oh and also i think it is important for me to say here that even if you are not experiencing fear firsthand and you are not physically afraid and because of what i'm talking about right now you are thinking well i'm not really scared that doesn't mean fear is not 
influencing you. I think someone once said that people do all the things they do because of one of these two reasons, either because of love or because of fear. And I don't know how about you, but I would definitely like my choices to be made based on me loving myself and others and not because of me being afraid of the world. But you might ask, well, fear of what? I'm not afraid, really. So why is fear motivating me? What are we afraid of that motivates all of these decisions? And the answer is pretty simple. We are afraid of dying. And that manifests in all different kinds of areas in our lives. The fear of dying is really visible in different fears. We are afraid of, for example, being left out of the group or the society. And we really want to be liked because in tribal times, being left out of the group used to mean death. Also, we are afraid of being alone and not finding a partner. And that is because we have, you know, an instinct to reproduce. We are also afraid of not being successful because that means not enough resources, not enough money, not enough food. And to our brain, that also means death. So we are just scared of death and that is biologically wired in our brain. So... Even if you say to me that you are rarely scared and that you are not really afraid of many things, that still doesn't mean that fear is not influencing your choices. And again, the way to gain control is instead of trying to overcome fear, we have to learn how to cope with it. We need to learn how to prevent that fear from becoming an obstacle and stopping us from achieving our goals and our well-being. Because the thing with courage is, like I said at the beginning, I don't agree with our definition of courage. Because courage is not not feeling fear. Courage is being so scared that you are shitting your pants and still doing the thing. People who are not ever scared are not courageous. They are stupid or they are ignorant or have some kind of mental disability. So... It is absolutely normal that you are anxious every once in a while. And I would even say that it is actually good that you are anxious. It means that you are smart and that you are healthy and that you care about things. But still, we need to make sure that we are not letting that fear prevent us from being happy and achieving and fighting for our goals. And through that, again, we need to ask why I fear this and also what can this fear teach me about myself and about the thing that I am afraid of. Because maybe that says more about you than you think. You know, there are some people who are not scared of extreme sports and, you know, jumping from from cliffs or skydiving, but they are afraid of going on a date. So facing these fears can teach you a lot about you. So that is all I have to say about fear. I hope that you found that insightful and that you can think about it and learn something about yourself. And now I want to move on to the insight of the week. And my insight of the week is going to be very brief. Um, And it's going to be very random. 
because my insight of the week is that memes are very useful. Memes that you find all over the internet, you know, the Instagram pages, which are niche. Like, for example, I follow some runners memes or climate change memes or, you know, vegan memes or IB memes. There are so many different pages that I follow. And I realized that I really like to look at them, of course, because they're funny. But then because memes are very peculiar in a sense that they need to be relatable in order to be funny. So they build a community of people around, you know, those pages. And all of the people that hit like are thinking about the same thing and are always thinking, hey, I feel that way. You too feel that way? Oh man, that's so cool that we are both feeling this way. So I love that you know, these memes that we share with one another and, and be like, oh my god, yeah, me too. They bring us together um, and they make us take ourselves less seriously. Sometimes those are memes about depression and sometimes those memes are very self-deprecating and I don't like these ones, but sometimes those memes about, you know, staying until 2 a.m., worrying and being anxious sometimes people can relate to that and they build a community so i really like that these meme pages can really bring us closer together and there's another thing that i wanted to say which is that for weirdos like me who are trying to i don't know understand the human condition and i'm a bit of a i don't know philosopher i really think these memes are an insight into what we care about what we struggle with and what things make us feel good um you know those memes where you know there's like a picture of a spongebob in his i don't know bed and there's a you know description that the feeling where you have you know a clean duvet and it's warm and it smells great and you know those are kind of this meme is probably not even funny that I just said about, but I think those memes are great because they show me, at least, me being an alien who does not understand people, um, they show us what we all struggle with and they can teach you what a certain community feels about a certain thing. Um, and of course, there, there are those bigger pages with which we can all relate um, that, you know, just you know, the human condition pages, which I love. But then if you also want to get to know a certain community, for example, you know, a community of people who crochet, you can search that kind of community. And through looking at those memes, you can really get to know these kind of people. And I'm sure that, you know, your school or your golf community, whatever you do, whatever community you want to get into, I think you can find a meme page that they do because that is so common right now. And you can understand them and get to know uh, the things that they bond over. And then you will know the topics that you can discuss with them and you will feel like a member of that community, I'm sure. So this might be a bit random, um, but yeah, I think memes are great in that way and I've never really thought about that before um but yeah if you have any sort of memes that you 
relate to or that you think that I might find funny send me them you can send me them over at our instagram which is beingbetter.pod or you can email me them using the address podcast.beingbetter at gmail.com i would love to know what kind of memes you find funny because like i said it is going to let me get to know you a bit more so yeah thank you so much for listening to my insight and for listening to this whole episode if you want to help us help the show the best way to do that is to share the podcast with your friends and with your family that is the best way to help the podcast keep growing so if you want to help send the link to the podcast to your three friends or three enemies you can do that too um, who you think might enjoy the show who might find it entertaining or useful in the things that they are going through right now. So again, thank you so much for that. I love you. You look lovely today. I wanted to say that, really. I mean, look at you. Damn. Thank you so much, and I will speak to you in the next one. by Julia Spohr. If you want to learn more, visit the website attached in the episode description or visit our Instagram page, which you can also find in the episode description or by just searching Being Better Podcast. If you want to support the show, there are a couple of ways to do that. The first one and the best one is just to tell your friends and your family about the show, tell them why you enjoy it and why they might enjoy it as well. Another way to support us is to write a review, rate and subscribe to the podcast because that helps with the algorithm and that helps new listeners find the show as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I'll speak to you very, very soon.